our dreams shape our reality and shape us you know we bring with us like our history like our, our past traumas like literally our dreams you know who's to tell me i didn't experience all those things or i'm not this person that you know and i think that's something we have to remind ourselves of because the world around us is trying to tell us what's happening but the only people the only person that can tell you what's happening is yourself so you're listening to record room a podcast where we meet the artist behind an album we love i'm will felker let me take a moment to set the scene for my conversation with Don Christian and the drunk overdubs heard in our opening clip. So I met Don Christian in McGulrick Park on July 3rd. And it began like this. The park is cute. Yes, man. I like it. I like We took a couple of breaks during our conversation. We drank beer. We smoked one. It was lovely. Perfect, even. I guess this is the benefit of an outdoor interview. At first it felt strange to talk while a pack of bros launch fireworks and language that should not be available to them in every direction. Aside from feeling supremely distracted by them, which I don't think is going to come across in the final cut. (laughs) But it turned out McGorick Park, on the cusp of a holiday, notoriously dominated by explosives and problematic people, was appropriate for discussing Where There's Smoke, Don Christian's years-in-the-making debut album. To be completely real with you, their wild shouting actually matches my enthusiasm for this record. And unrelated to that, I'm still impressed that they managed to shotgun no less than 30 beers in the span of Avicii's Wake Me Up. By now you may be wondering why I'm mentioning all this shit, and that's a fair question. I want everybody to hear this album and access its world, which is reality, and Don Christian's very real dreams. I feel lucky to have shared this moment with him, and this interview is an instance in my life where we did not stop or relocate from our spot in the park to move to a more clinical setting that would make for a better podcast. Instead, we talked freely. We talked about how an artist is received, understood, handled, how important it is to identify those questions with the rising visibility of our favorite trans artists in music. These were not my talking points. Not exactly, at least. This is really what you'll hear in this album. I think we all can join Don Christian and expose our vulnerabilities in an effort to share and locate power. Here's Don Christian on Record Room. Thank you. 
treat me like crown fried Bucket seat in it, my ride You wanna kick it tonight Musta heard how I pipe it I eat like I write Sloppy Other niggas be violating This new world order be lobbying While y'all hoes in my lobby waiting I'm penthouse with Wolfgang We ain't gotta be friends See, I'm dry like the Mojave There's a baby, I'm hot B I'm filling up Amphitheater I ain't in Greece neither I'm an overcoat, I'm the dream keeper I am the bin sleeper Fuck around and I'll still beat ya Make so smooth, call Peter I make your climb steeper Feel my rhyme push deeper Tell me who gon' get hurt? Gon' get who gon' get hurt? I put in all of my work while you tucking all of my shirt. Take a class lesson, learn. I'm on fire, don't get burned. Don't be scared, it's my turn. I revip, I discern and affirm. You did killing the crib like John Bonet. White Bronco whipping on the freeway All the way uptown, that's where I stay Hit me in my window to come out and play Only in the dark when I'm super saiyan I'm the prince of the moon, let me shine on Satan And you on a block where the boys is playing Put your ear to the concrete when they spring You are a really important artist, I think, because the intersection of practice and politics for you personally comes through in every dimension of what I've seen. Like, I mostly know your music, figuring out who you were musically. I Mm -hmm. know that you are also a studio artist, Mm -hmm. and I know that you're also a community-minded person in both immediate action that you do and how you can merge all of those things. So the fact that your work illuminates all of those ideas and all of those ways that people who share the same ideology and the same politics as you, but maybe don't know how to order a 24-hour day Mm -hmm. and feel like they can contribute or do anything, is what is so important. That sounds a little hyperbolic, but I don't really mean it hyperbolically because most of my opinion about that has not been gleaned from music or write-ups or you know flossy things it's been from social media the things that you directly publish and are not really controlled by any greater project you have to really roll out that's what i think is so great about this record is that all of those things come into play as they've been for you, but it's now moving into the music clearly, you know? Like, it's undeniable that what I've witnessed and seen on Instagram and and have appreciated you from afar, you know, without having any kind of direct line to you, but knowing that, like, in my conversations with my friends and other music people, like, you know, your name will come up and we can address it and we can feel a little bit of optimism, like a little bit of hope. I really, 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 really want to talk about this record because that's what is happening here that's what you did that's huge to hear that's the hope is that um those things those things come through or you know what i mean yeah um to make them feel Mm -hmm. cohesive there's a common thread and i just kind of rely on the fact that i i am the common thread which is true also i'm having a little bit of difficulty preparing for this interview and also conducting it because your language and your choices with words and how that is going to ultimately play out as like a cadence or whatever like I can speak in in musical terms Uh but I don't want any writing to get lost in it I think that more than on any other musical project you've done like the message and the writing is really tight 
kind of struck me more than the musicality. And when you talk about like oh. yourself at the center of the song, think about a song like OT. It speaks really specifically and really focused to what I think probably everybody like our age or everybody who's had to navigate and reconcile like I need to make money yes. and I also need to do good things and often the two not only walk in opposite directions but also directly compete life feels that way every day for me like you're you gotta walk two different ways um if not four or five so that's cool to think that it would relate to our generation or youth i think i'm thinking about youth a lot like the kids a little bit younger than me because i'm surrounded by them so much and they like infuse my spirit they are what keep me like excited about the world or hopeful at least even though they're so nihilistic a generation it seems and like i've had to come to terms over the past couple years that like i'm no longer a, a youth you know I think a lot of agencies or even just like people have raised uh, the age of youth to 24 now or that that's what's considered you're up at your youth up until you're 24. So I just I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm no I'm not a kid anymore but these kids give me hope so I want to appeal to them and I want to access them and if I have any like messaging or everything that like can relate but not preach in any means I never ever want to sound preachy. So writing is like really, I think more than anything, I second guess my writing. I'm thinking about my writing because I never want it to sound contrived. I don't want it to sound cliche. I don't want it to sound preachy. The best stuff is authentic or the stuff that sounds like it just came out naturally, like poured out of someone's mouth. Whether yeah. it be singing or, or, or lyric, lyrically speaking, like what things have you been able to unlock and figure out because you're around people who are, I guess, Damn, that's a good generationally separate? Um, I think that they made me realize that I had a lot more fear. I was grappling with much more fear than I had already identified, you know? You know, by like 24, 25, you start thinking like you really know yourself or like you're an adult. Then, you know, a lot of us still make a bunch of mistakes after then. And so then you're left trying to figure out, how did, I, how did I make that mistake? I thought I knew myself, you know? How did I wind up in that relationship? I thought I knew myself. I think this record speaks to th those years, kind of. Also in like teens especially, like, there's just like an unadulterated generosity to their, their being. Like they say what's on their mind. Like middle schoolers do too even, but like teens have the language, they have the style, they have you know, they make it their own. They have attitude, a lot of it, and angst. So, they, yeah, they fucking inspire the shit out of me because they make me want to, like, have style and, like, aesthetic because they give that. Even though they're figuring it out and it'll probably change by the time they're 22, they're giving aesthetic. They're giving style. When they say something to you, it sounds like it came out of their mouth. And that is... I want to be that, you know, that's like self-actualizing self in my mind. They're, yeah, just in process. To go from one polarity to another, though, what have you learned from elders? I'm going to take Eric Johnson as an example, because oh, I know he's someone Great. that you know, and I, as like just a music nerd, really look up to him because he, as portraiture and photography, is my favorite <laughs> you know mostly just from shooting the press and liner photography for some of my favorite albums he's ever iconic. yeah he's like he's an and icon. 
yeah, and I mean, there's no separating like his person from the institution of upstairs at Eric's, you know, like, right. what's that relationship like? Whatever you're comfortable sharing, but. I'm, Eric is someone who like took me under his wing as uh, several people have in New York when I first came here and became like a supreme mentor of mine. So I, I just only have admiration and like love and respect. He's done so, you know, like he didn't, he didn't have to invite me into that world that he created, which is so very much his own and embedded in like New York history at this point, in like New York art and culture, cultural history. Yeah, he's just like always in my heart. How did you guys meet initially? I met him through Leaf and Joey LaBeja and um, Cakes Tequila. Just going over there to hang out. Really, really fun times. <laughs> I'm sure. No doubt. This is really the black queer prog album I've wanted for so long. <laughs> like, it, it really is. And that is sort of the scope of my understanding of the album, having only had it for like a week. I feel like the title track would probably be the best place to start. I like the freneticness of it, you know? And I really, really like the percussion on it. Almost drum and bass, like mm -hmm. drum pattern. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the last song I made. Uh, interestingly oh. enough, it was, um, but the moment we finished the beat, I worked on that um, with 
Budi, who I've been working on since I started, really. Um, so he's been like totally instrumental in helping me hone in on a sound. I, surely, he's a close, close friend of mine. Um, I would say I knew I, I wanted some more up-tempo sounds on, on the record. I didn't want it to be so melancholic as the end. I always look back to like Aphex Twin and Animal Collective and like you said, drum and bass and UK shit um, mm -hmm. to get amped up. So I think that's where we found those drums. Yeah. Um, and the tempo and the freneticness, the energy. Yeah. Um, it sets a really good mood for the album. I would say, aside from just the whole listening experience of the entire record, it feels closest to maybe what you feel and go through in a given day, you know? Wow. If that's fair to say. Me personally or any? Or yeah, that? you, I mean, you as the author of the record, you I, know? I would agree. And um, I also really liked it because there's a lot of variance like in the production, but the interplay between you like rhyming and singing, which mm. I feel like is something you've been cultivating for so long. For sure. You know? Whereas like before, and a lot of this is owed to covers and like what you've been sharing with people, but you can hear your influences like very clearly in various like vocal <laughs> approaches you take to things. Oh, I'm interested to hear. But I have not heard the two performative styles like interlock so confidently. Sick. You know what I mean? Like I'm hoping. Yeah. That <laughs> okay. It, that well, it sounds confident. Yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. Because that's something I've been working towards you know bridging that gap between my singing and my rapping it's yeah. been hard to reconcile the two mm -hmm. um because i think i found both of those voices simultaneously but differently um i've always been singing but n have no training whatsoever so i'm i've just been so self-conscious about that and trepidatious i think about singing and then rapping Two is something that I've just taught myself over the years, mm -hmm. and then to try and do both in one song is a challenge, I think, for a lot of people. Um, but I think that's just the nature of my mind, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I'm a little schizophrenic in that way, in terms of content, subject matter, and I think also sonics, and yeah. How, as vocals. far as the vocal performances and the vocal stacks that we hear on the record and on past records, you know, you have less room with music, I think, to experiment and develop something mm -hmm. while still having that kind of like editorial control over it. Mm -hmm. So what was that process like for you as far as just sort of finding like the root of carrying that performance? Well, I think being a vocal artist in the at its most base level, like you have to get comfortable with your voice like that's the biggest hurdle at first you know or like the learning curve is like your first few songs if not projects or times in a booth like you hear yourself back you're like what the fuck that's how i sound or like why do i sound like that and you're thinking of ways in which to make yourself sound cooler right and i think i played around enough over the years to be comfortable in my natural given voice and tone and intonation and flow like give into that more so and then also just the mix on this record this is my first record that's not a bedroom mixed Project. you know what i mean right. like it was like the real deal um in a beautiful studio so i had the luxury of um hearing myself like i wanted to hear myself and you recorded it at brick house right yes how was that it was great i was working with my friend daniel linus i mean his work is prolific he uh, co-produced monster 
um, with Nicki and Kanye, and he worked a bunch on ASAP, all of ASAP stuff. So he just has like a great ear for hip hop mm-hmm. and bass melodies too. So like I could just run my ideas by him, and he would you know help me kind of edit, and then kind of create a cohesive. I think tone of voice across it, which is perhaps a little low growl, um, growly. Those noises are great throughout the record, though. I mean, like, you've got Miss Boogie, like, purring before her incredible verse on Ben's Sleep. And I I think maybe I've had that song the longest to sit with. Mm -hmm. And it, to me, feels like, along with... Black Quaker, which I want to talk about later, mm. kind of like the bookends of the record for that's, a couple of reasons. Cool. But Ben Sleep was a really nice gateway into where they spoke. And I had like no real idea what the full length project was going to sound like. Uh huh. I think it's a good one and perhaps <laughs> slept on. <laughs> Why do you say that? I mean, I think when I first made it and heard it, I was inclined to make it a single because it was like so bassy and hip-hop driven and i was like oh well this is like the closest thing to like any crossover appeal i've achieved so far but i think when it came out and people's reception to it not to say that they were non-positive i just think i was expecting more (laughs) (laughs) i noticed suddenly like the production was less experimental and much more deliberate and intentional it is less experimental yeah yeah but that's what i love about it i felt like the writing was amplified the arrangements were amplified Mm -hmm. guest appearances became more significant and less collaborative and kind of a like friend zone so to speak like Mm -hmm. creative friend zone and that's what is so excellent about this record i don't think that anybody can really snatch your artistry or like your intellectual agency from the music choices you've made and and what you've put together and also the space you create for other people is handled so tenderly Mm. this is your brain i am the plug remember my name and that we ain't the same i am above I got that, I got that, I got that, I got that, 
what you need They calling me doctor, pharmacy I got that sauce and that shit sweeter Begging and pleading, ain't gon' feed ya Yeah, you know what you want, but what you need, though Always acting like you sleep in the backseat When I got the keys and that shit beat I got the right to speak my peace And ain't nobody wanna walk, but they all preaching If you catch me outside, I'ma get street If you fuck with a wolf, you might get eaten When a nigga build a wall, I'ma still see him Put accountability, 2K17 I'ma put you on my back when we street sweep Watch them op and them cop niggas tweaking Before I run down on your city two times, geek This is my brain, I am the plug Remember my name and that we ain't the same I am above, cause you be sleep on the bus Sleep on the bus, and when you pull over, I'm feeling you up I got that stuff, I got that This is your brain, I am the plug Remember this feeling that you in the haze More than a drug Feel the current from the stream running through my veins Vibrations in the vibe coming from my brain A little switch, a quick flex coming from my muscles My mind keep me focused, dedicated hustle I'm spazzing, going off cause it's in my nature Everything about me head to toe cause of nature I suck toes and all that, naughty by the nature My skin tone, my strong bones in that good Jamaica I got emotions cause I'm human but I can't find them I'm waking up to niggas at my door getting violent Because I shot their manhood, now they on their ego But ass, dick and pussy ain't no difference cause we equal And if you wanna shoot the fear, we take it there don't be fooled by my hair and my underwear See my success wouldn't come if I lived it in fear Now I know you about to come cause I'm in your ear Oh, yeah. Ain't nobody playing with Bug Got the city clock in his guts Pull up in the BM knowing all the hoes gonna see him Why? How he got you feeling really special Best believe that when this nigga breathe the air is exponential Sleep was a really nice gateway into where they spoke, and I had like no real idea what the full length project was going to sound like. Uh-huh. I think 
It's a good one. And perhaps slept on. <laughs> Why do you say that? I mean, I think when I first made it and heard it, I was inclined to make it a single because it was like so bassy and hip-hop driven. And I was like, oh, well, this is like the closest thing to like a, any crossover appeal I've achieved so far. But I think when it came out and people's reception to it, not to say that they were non-positive, I just think I was expecting more. <laughs> I noticed suddenly like the production was less experimental and much more deliberate right. and intentional. It is less experimental. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I love about it. I felt like the writing was amplified, the arrangements were amplified, mm -hmm. guest appearances became more significant and less collaborative in kind of a like friend zone, so to speak, like mm -hmm. a creative friend zone. And that's what is so excellent about this record. I don't think that anybody can really snatch your artistry <laughs> or like your intellectual agency from the music choices you've made and, oh, wow. and what you've put together. And also Thanks. the space you create for other people is handled so tenderly. Mm. When I listen uh -huh. to Ben Sleep and I hear your you know, first verse choruses and I mean the drum pattern is built around like clicks and hisses and things and then all of a sudden like Miss Boogie comes in and she's enveloped in like a full chord progression that we did not hear in the first half mm. of the song but the drums are live it's not two songs but it's the classic like key change time shift signature shift you know right. where that is pretty revelatory <laughs> like that's because people don't I really like that you are like you picked up on that stuff i mean that's the nerd stuff that i'm thinking about carrying like in the tradition of her album last year which was one of my favorites and i feel like it's a very in conversation piece <laughs> with this record it's a really important record yeah it is it is and like jesus loves me too was so good to have last year yeah. and this is so good to have this year that's just the timeline but all this work seems very related and like I think it is organically, not mm -hmm. that any of us set out to do it, but they work in tandem together. Um, I think all of the, the projects that the artists featured on my album are putting out Earth Eater, Baby Mother, Shea Butter. They're all working in tandem socially on some level in my mind. And yeah, with Bin Sleep, that beat uh, was produced by She Spells Doom, who I met on the internet, so now a great virtual friend. A lot of the beats were deconstructed and then put back together, rearranged. And I knew I wanted an outro for it and just to extend it. There, I wanted some pieces on the record to be extended pieces um, and to shift. So that was one I knew. Um, Alberto Rock from Barcelona did the second half. And I just wanted, like you said, to envelop Miss Boogie in something different and really give them a whole moment. So they really operate in my mind as two songs but they mean the same thing to me. I also feel like I, maybe it's overstepping my bounds, but like when I'm in, when I'm alone and in my own head, I'm sometimes curating for my friends and like the people around me or like want to have the opportunity to do that or like direct for them. Or, so I wanted to hear Miss Boogie on something I've never heard them on, um, something lush and melodic, sexy. Not that their music isn't already very sexy and, but just kind of subvert um, what people would expect to hear the feature. The nature of like duets and the interplay, especially with rhyming, singing, and having everything be kind of based in like the musical styles we just talked about, is that often there's not room for that much cohabiting, really, like on, on a song. Mm -hmm. 
and I think we all grew up in like a golden era for hooks. <laughs> for <laughs> which sure. Which is my biggest challenge, hooks. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. But I mean, Ben Sleep even has like a good hook. It works to support like the writing and the performances on the rest of the song. But it's also like one with more movement than hook. Mm. You know, it's high femme shit too, which is wonderful, you know. And not giving her anything, but just you writing this song together, it's it's beautiful. Like, it's really beautiful to see the interplay between. I mean, I'm just honored to, to know and ha- be able to call her a friend, you know, and just to witness her trajectory since I yeah. moved to New York six years ago. And, you know, to be on bills and plan things with her has been a dream. So to have her on my album felt only right. I'm so lucky and thankful yeah. she did. Talk about Rikers Island and what it means to you personally. I just came from working on a project right now on Rikers. I've been doing murals there with the youth inmates for over three years. My experience there has colored um, my whole outlook on life, really. It's it's been that, like, monumental in my trajectory or just adulthood, growing up. Going there is wild. So I've been trying to reconcile what it means for me to work in a place like that and uh, or continue to make art after having worked there. I don't ever want to stop talking about it. Even though they're talking about closing Rikers, we have to create space to remember it. Um, I just, I think it's just such a big thing that we don't consider the implications of it, how deep R- Rikers is relative to New York City and America. It's like Guantanamo, you know? I can only imagine, if not worse. It's an internment camp, absolutely. It's modern day slavery. So, and then I also in, in having gone back there and, and or just, I guess I found out when I was a teenager, my dad was there with the year I was born. So it just feels very full circle. I don't know what it, what it means, but I think I just have to keep making art in reference to it. And it's important. Um, if we can make this a segue into Groundswell. Mm-hmm. I Just Wanna Come Home is one of my favorite murals that I see regularly, you know? Wow. That's really cool to hear, too, that you know that. I guess for anybody who maybe isn't walking through Bushwick all the time, Mm -hmm. can you just introduce Groundswell and maybe also just explain established? Yeah, yeah. So Groundswell is a large community arts nonprofit. It's mural-based that's been around for almost 20 years now. So that was my first job when I moved to New York was um, painting murals with teens, essentially. So I do that contract-based, um, project-based. There's a roster of artists that they work with. 
all of us artists are doing our own things, have our own lives, working across different mediums. It's been a profound experience to meet all these different artists. And then you go, you know, you sign up for a project and you're sent to a school or a probation center, a community center. And then they started sending me to Rikers. They're now taking trips to other cities. They took a trip to Cuba. But they're all community-based, socially justice-based works that are public. What have your trips to Rikers entailed? I mean, that's it's a loaded question. It looks like so much, so much. It's so many things. Yeah, you know? I guess I mean just for the beginning of this question, like, what do you do when you're there? Right. I've been painting in hallways with the youth inmates, and sometimes in the schools. It's it's crazy. It's a island. It's a city. It really is a city on this island that's comprised of nine different jails that you have to take buses to and from. They say it houses about 12,000 inmates at a time, um, but I, I think it's probably more than that. Upwards of like 2,000 of them are kids because, you know, they're 18 and under. And you have to get all these clearances and go through all these checkpoints just to really get in there. I can't document my time there digitally at all. And I've just had really profound ex interpersonal experiences working and witnessing with regard to working with the kids there, working alongside the correction staff there, meeting prison wardens, jail wardens rather, um, just hearing a lot of things and seeing a lot of things that I'm, I will continue to talk about. <laughs> How much of the mural work that you do outside of Rikers that's in conversation with experiences and things that have happened with the work inside Mm -hmm. How much do you do you cross over right. in mural specifically? You know, after my first time there, everything has been more and more informed by it. I don't know, just in, in conceptualizing and designing and researching for other mural projects, I always have Rikers in the back of my mind and, that you know, that program outline and the workshopping we did and just revisiting that model as a means to make stronger, more hard-hitting work. It's hard to do that in Rikers because there's so many limitations. limitations. You know, you have to send everything through gang intel. You can't use certain colors, certain wall. symbolism. And by certain, I mean a lot. You know, almost everything you want to include is in question. On the street, almost you have more, a lot more leeway. So that's why I t try and take advantage of that, you know? How much do you feel like a vessel where you can relay that back and forth? Where, like, there's in access and communication and in access and self-authorship from people mm -hmm. inside, you know? Right. Whether it's like carrying it through images mm -hmm. or through conversations like this, right. how much of a responsibility do you feel to the people you've met? Huge. Yeah. Because were I not to carry this beyond the mural, it would be a disservice to them first and foremost, to myself and to the world. Because that's all I can think of myself as, is a vessel. I just have to like take the mural off of the wall and outside of those spaces so more people can see you know, what it is that's actually going on there. It's not about me. And it's not about Rikers, but simply what these invisible kids are trying to say. You lose almost every ounce of your agency the moment you're yeah. locked up, you know? So, so many of these people are literally made invisible they can't make bail or they can't they don't have access to a lawyer or, or whatever it may be everything is against them so uh, to be able to give them voice in any way 
is important while this system is set up like this. And it's not broken, it's like made to design and it's working perfectly to design. Just another clansman with plans for my down. You can't make me no object. It's kings in these projects who always built up by the same housing complex. In touch with this complex, don't run from conflict. Hands quick, tongue slick. Calling all of your bluffs, bitch. I ruffle your stuff. Get you audited up. Yeah, I know I'm too much, but they made me this tough. Yeah. I was hanging with, it's that quick shit, I'm a friend, shout out to William Penn, back at the school bus, we was getting it in, and count me in if that's a sin, answer yes to every question, now I say no just cause I can, it's great to know and when, but always a friend.
Shay's Butters verse literally brought tears to my eyes. Whoa. For a number of reasons. One, I fucking love her. Wow. Two, I, yes, like, I've loved her since Dirty nine. Socks. Dirty so, Socks <laughs> so is my favorite. <laughs> so, like, Yo, she laughs at me every time I say it. Yeah. Dirty Socks is my favorite. And I try to be really careful to not just, like, say that online all the time because I don't want to be, like, that crazy person coming out of the shadows that's like, Dirty Socks, but really, though. It is all about 24. <laughs> it really is. Um, the verse that she delivered on Black Quakers. And it's short. It's quick. But it's it's huge. Huge. It's huge. I'm not sure I'm, I know how to best talk about it yet because... Me neither. It I don't really know that is I her. found the language to talk about. Because it's like, across the record, it's like, it touches on politics like very subtly, you know, and very abstractly. Yeah. But we're like political bodies, you know, mm-hmm. especially someone like Shay. She knows it. And she fucking owned it. But to do a whole verse about just not being consumable was amazing. And, you know, without throwing a lot of, like, empty social justice terminology at her, like, her visibility is so important to me just as a music head. Right. And her music and art perspective. And her music is getting... Simply. From Dirty Socks to now, like, I've loved all of it, but she's just getting so strong, like, so strong as her own artist. And it's thrilling to watch and and enjoy you know what i mean absolutely how did that come together well me and shay have been also virtual friends for so long we finally met last year um and have been sending stuff to each other for years and working you know through pieces and nothing ever um you know manifested so when i was thinking about features i was like this we're going to make it work finally i mean i had sent her my my part and i it's not like i'm checking these you know what they're writing i I just want to be in the studio with them so she came to the studio she did it in one take one take and not surprising at all me and linus were just you know our mouths agape like fuck (laughs) we had nothing else to do i mean i just like worked on other things yeah and then she was like you know she was nervous i think a little bit she said because she didn't know that that's know if that's what i wanted or whatever or if it related but it was perfect it was absolutely perfect because i didn't really know what the song was about myself you know but simply feeling it i don't know that the title even eludes enough or relates enough to the masses for people to like really make the connections but i feel like there's um pieces throughout the whole song especially her verse that people can just they get will get you went to a quaker high school right i went to quaker school my whole life what is the significance for this song what is the significance of william penn like i have ideas but i don't want to right imbue this conversation with my well i think for one it's it was like a means of like placing the content and myself in like philadelphia pennsylvania you know like that's where the quakers came I think a lot of my core values are founded in Quaker values for the fact that I grew up that way. You know, all of the best prep schools in Philly, surrounding area, are all Quaker. So, you know, you're in these Quaker, like, athletic leagues. You know, you're playing other Quaker schools. You have to go to a meeting for worship twice a week. And aside from whatever racial politics that surround organized religion in America, the concepts of Quakerism I hold dear. And, um, you know, they were the first abolitionists. They're pacifists. It's about minding your own business, helping who you can, simplicity. You know, I think that's also where, like, my affection for minimalism comes from. Like, doing unto others, you know? 
that all that shit. But that's what it's about to me. Peacefully minding your own business is just a jump off for a lot of conversations we could have um, and things that you're discussing on the record. But as far as Shay's verse in particular, aside from the fact that she literally says it, mm. um, what I think is so cool to have her do which I have not heard so forthrightly in some of her other writing, mm-hmm. even though it's there in various ways, you know, mm-hmm. is like just the outright rejection of like biological determination and fixation and mm-hmm. things. And those are things that like, I don't even want to, <laughs> I don't even want to infect the space <laughs> of that conversation right, because right, right, right. I'm cis male, you know, right. but um, to hear it on record, I want to just highlight that as a moment of putting it in to the art mm-hmm. and and having it be that space that only they can create you know and when they do it's a privilege for us to receive it it is you and know because they don't have to do that and they absolutely they often shouldn't have to in the privilege of hearing it and having to receive the work and and not even expecting it but loving it you know it's mm-hmm. like i don't know how to champion it without it being like a backhanded or I feel you. complete like co-opting thing it's just like this is i feel you one conversation that i feel like as there is more trans visibility in music i would normally just take the hard line of i would only want to discuss the music you know mm-hmm. i'm still like developing language for it but I think, um, I think we all are yeah you know I think if we're just generous and thoughtful minded people it can un- unfold more peacefully you know what yeah. I mean? but there will be missteps and mistakes and you know misspeaks whatever Young Pelagrosa is probably going to be my favorite song in time. 
I think over time, people will get into the production of that song and be like, whoa, that song is pretty crazy. This is where, like, when I was talking about the one signature I think you have, like, if I were to narrow it down without, you know, limiting you, mm. there's certain interplay, interlocking, as far as it goes with, like, cadence, rhythm, melody that is incredibly thoughtful. And you can really, whether it's, like, production, you can hear the choices made in the instrumentation, or you can hear it in your vocal performance. That song in particular is one where I feel almost like your voice is so, is supplanting a couple instruments that could be going. I love integrating my voice into the beats, yeah. which I think I relied on a lot before. Um, so I was trying to do that less, but still use that as a tool on that song especially. I think of any of the songs, that one is the most character-driven because it's not necessarily from the perspective of me, but rather other people I, th I think I've encountered. But, you know, like we all embody like parts of one another the others that we share space with and time and love and shit so it's about someone who's like dangerous but like profoundly so and like it's charming and um detrimental and on the go it also feels like and the most drugs. philly and on drugs. <laughs> philly okay. song on the album oh, not sick. to get i can't make a sweeping generalization about oh wow oh the percussion artists from philly also just the the kind of character developed there like it could also be an eve song in the best way possible oh she's from germantown she's from my home. i know i be trying to tell y'all philly is a place like philly is a, a real place it was my world for so long you know what i mean and then you come to new york a place like new york which is the place it's also placeless and it's that too and you're like oh my god the world you know once i started traveling i was like oh my god the world is so much bigger than philly but then also made to realize how much philly ha was imparted on me or like still in me and when i was there i always almost felt like an outlier more so give, giving into those histories too i love philly now <laughs> what is your relationship with germantown now like i go home every several months to see my family and stuff uh, and it just feels like that like home i think i need the distance but i think of it as a healing of healing space to like reroute to ground myself again which is what i find a lot of like transplant artists friends of mine do they go home to like get back in themselves yeah and a lot of those places are like hard to go to those memories are hard for a lot of us but when you f can take ounces of like acceptance and like peace with you, it can be like relevatory.
unfolding is the best Bjork song I've heard <laughs> since. Someone else said that. Like Medulla. And you did put me onto Earth Eater with this record, which I thank you for mm. because she is an incredible artist. It's crazy. Oh. Her record came out like two, three weeks ago. It's, it's epic. It's a classic and it's one of the newest things I've ever heard. How did you guys meet? I met her at this um, performance event called Authority Figure at the Knockdown Center. She was a part of the, the cast movement artist. She had a, the main role really in this huge performance installation that was like curated by Dev Hines and Flucked. So I just met her amidst this performance art piece that she was in live time. But I just so happened to be the audience participant that you know was interacting with her and then you know from there i learned about her art and everything and i was just like oh my god gotta work with this person so it's been you know just great becoming a friend of her so did you guys write the song together um i started the i started this this beat sketch and sent her the components and then she sent made some stuff sent it back and we did that met up a few times really just to hang out we didn't work on it at all together in person even though we both live around the corner from another so that was cool there was no there was no editing to that song That's or amazing. the video or the video wow a tease <laughs> yeah what can you share about the video it's movement based On- it's really site specific and it's i think it's probably the weirdest like vis- Im- image of me so far to be on the web but i am so excited for it have you danced a, for a long time? Not um, in any organized way. I've always danced in the way that I always sang. Never really trained. And then my main access point to dance was Buto in college. So like this really slow moving Japanese form of dance was my real first like delve into it as a medium. And I was just learning. I'm forever learning. I will never be a dancer in my mind. So I'm a mover at this point. (laughs) I move. What do you want to do performatively? And by that, I mean extra musically with this album. I just want to see it in, in different spaces, like, and curated to those spaces. And I want to see it stretch in different ways, you know, like really be manipulated. I don't want to get bored of it so outside shit i want to do outside shit Special thanks to Christoph Bober for making this interview possible. And also to Don Christian for agreeing to meet me in the park and being incredibly generous with his answers and his time. Quick roll call of Record Room family. We're mixed and mastered by Federico Foglia. Our artwork is by Tom McQuaid. The theme music you heard at the top of this episode is by Dowd Anthony. 
I'm Will Felker. I do a bunch of shit for record rooms. I talk on it. And I really don't like people who hyphenate their roles. If you made it this far. Mind your own business, do your life and live.